Hey, this is Dan Wonderlich from Defining Grace, and welcome to Art of the Sermon, a show for preachers, teachers, and communicators. This is episode 17, and my guest today is Brady Shearer, founder and CEO of Pro Church Tools. Now, at the beginning of this interview, I asked Brady, like all of my guests, to tell us a little bit about himself and the work that he does, and unfortunately, we had a little bit of technical difficulty, so I'll share with you what he said right now as a lead-in to the interview. Brady was in school studying theology, planning on becoming a youth pastor, and at that time, the pastor of his local church asked him to become the media director. Now, Brady says he didn't know a whole lot about church communication or making videos or social media or all the stuff they wanted him to do, but he was willing to learn. And so after spending lots of time learning how to use all the tools, all the camera specs, how to do the job he was asked to do, he became a resource in his town, helping other churches to do these things as well. And he realized that his true passion was not just to create creative things for churches, but to teach churches how to do them themselves. And that is the genesis of Pro Church Tools. So here's my interview with Brady Shearer. Well, today's guest is Brady Shear, the CEO of Pro Church Tools and also the host of the Pro Church Podcast, which is where I first found out about Brady. How are you doing today, Brady? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. Thrilled to be here. I, I really, really appreciate you being here and taking the time to be with us today. And I do want to begin by uh, asking you to share a little bit about yourself as well as your work through Pro Church Tools for anyone that may be unfamiliar with you. Yeah, for sure. We started Pro Church Tools about two years ago. Basically, I was Hey, it's Dan breaking in for a second. This is where we had the technical difficulty. So this is the part of the conversation where Brady talked about being in school, studying to be a youth pastor when he was asked to be the media director at his church. So he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't understand all the software and the technology and the camera specs, but he learned it. He worked at it. He got good at his job. And we'll let Brady pick up the story. Through all of this, I, I basically began to become the person within my city who who knew the most about church media and church communications. And so other churches started asking me to create stuff for them. And and the more that I did that, the more that I realized I had a passion, not for creating stuff for other churches, but teaching churches how to do this stuff themselves. Because I had come from a position where I was just a person with no skills in these areas, and, and I learned the skills. And it was kind of tough picking them up online, piecing together tutorials and that. But I thought, you know what? I think we can create a platform for churches where they can learn the skills that they need to thrive, the type of skills that you know I think anyone can learn, just like I did. And you don't have to be a master of the skills to communicate the message of Christ in beautiful ways in emerging platforms that are now, at least for people like me, I'm only 24 years old, are really the most significant platforms in my life. And so basically over at Pro Church Tools, that's what we do. We teach you how to learn these skills yourself um, because we think that when you can implement the skills yourself and create stuff for your own church, it's going to be so much more impactful than if you just buy something that someone else made. Uh, You can make it yourself and share your message to your specific audience. Absolutely. I I was uh, an advertising major in college and got my degree in advertising. And so I remember all those days of Googling Photoshop tutorials and tips and trying to figure out how to do Photoshop (laughs) and InDesign and Illustrator. And then, of course, if you have even, you know, touched those programs before, you sort of sometimes automatically become the graphics person or the tech person at your church. Uh, And it's amazing how much people think you'd know if you can put together Photoshop. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Photoshop delusion where you just kind of, <laughs> you balk your way into an actual job where you, you pretty much just watched one tutorial online, but there's that perception. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, we normally start with the first question 
asking our guests about their philosophies or approaches to preaching in general. But since you are sort of, I, I still think of your role as very pastoral. What you were describing in your answer about why you started Pro Church Tools and what you want to do, to me, in my mind, is a very pastoral role. Uh, you're just pastoring the church in, in you know, alternate areas. What would be your philosophies or approaches to communication in general? Maybe if you have a mission statement or guiding principle for your company uh, or your personal work, what might it be? Well, for us, it all comes down to storytelling. And it's interesting because your audience, this might not be a very popular opinion amongst uh, <laughs> you that are you that are listening. And, and the way that I see preaching and, and sermon is, you know, you're communicating the message of Christ and you're sharing the message of hope found in Scripture and found in in the work that Jesus did and continues to do. And for me, that preaching, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, 60 minutes, standing on a stage for uh, one day per week, that's just one way of communicating that message. And for the upcoming millennial generation, the largest generation in the history of the world, that type of teaching for us is not one of the most popular ways of receiving information. In fact, it's one of the least popular ways. Just now, the education industry is starting to realize, hey, we can't just talk to students for 60 minutes and five blocks in a day and expect that to be the best way that people learn and the best way that they engage with this information. And we're just starting to see the the school industry, the education industry begin to, to pivot and shift the way that they're communicating and, and helping people learn. And I think that the church is kind of facing a very similar point in its history. And what we talk all about all the time is storytelling. No matter if you're preaching from stage, if you're making a video, if you're working on social media, storytelling is the most powerful form of human communication in existence. And science has proven that our brains are wired to interact with stories more than any other form of communication. And one of the reasons for that is that stories allow us to focus. And I like to say that the most valuable commodity that your church has is attention. What I mean by that is if you can get more attention from your church, you can get more people to engage with what you're saying. They can attend more events. They'll give more. They'll believe more in the mission and vision statements that you're talking about all the time. They're going to become more involved in your church. And then the whole the body of your church is going to become that much stronger because people are engaged, but it all starts with attention because just people are not listening anymore. That's just the way that we are. And you can, you can blame media for that, but that's just one of the side effects that has happened with the way that we engage with information digitally in, in 2016 and going forward. So, uh, you know, one of the craziest stats is that it, this was from 2013. So it's still three years old at this point. Um, the average attention span for a human is right around eight seconds, and you can compare that to a goldfish. That's right around nine seconds. <laughs> so, Dan, we're not in a really good place when it comes to attention, and that's why I say it's the most valuable commodity that your church can have because it's so scarce. It's so rare, and because that commodity is so rare, that's what makes it so valuable. So how do we get more attention from our churches. Well, the best way is to engage the brain through storytelling. Up to a third of our waking hours are spent daydreaming and imagining. You might be listening to this podcast right now and you're already thinking, oh, what's for dinner today? Or, oh, <laughs> I got to get to the gym. Or, man, this Brady guy, his he likes to talk a lot. Like, you might be thinking any of these things. Up to a third of our waking hours are spent imagining and daydreaming and just drifting off. You might notice this in staff meetings. If you're the lead pastor, you might notice your staff are doing this. It's just the way that human nature is. But the most powerful way to break through that state is to tell stories. Stories are one of the very few and most powerful ways of engaging the brain and allowing us to focus. And, and not even just science. We like to look at kind of this three-pronged approach to why we think storytelling is so 
so powerful. Obviously, the uh, the scientific, we also look at the Christological and the cultural. And what I mean by that, those are just big words for saying, um, well, Christological obviously stands for Christ's model, the, the, the master's right. model. Right. Um, in Robert Stein's book, The Message and Method of Jesus, he, he did this kind of study where he counts up all of Jesus' teaching and he comes to the conclusion that no less than 35% of Christ's teaching was spent using story. 35%. So if you look at your own models of communication, whether that's in preaching or even all the models across your church, if you're spending any less than one third of your teaching and communication on story, if you're less than that, then you're not following Christ's model in this respect. And I think that when we look at the way that Jesus communicated the greatest truths of all time, you know, instead of telling us that God is forgiving, he shows us that God's forgiving through the parable of the prodigal son. Instead of telling us that, you know, God is gracious and and that we should be generous to others, he tells the parable and he shows us the parable of the rich man and the beggar. This is what Jesus did. He communicated these giant truths to all of human history through storytelling. And then also the third third reason, uh, you know, scientific was number one, Christ teaching number two. The third reason is the cultural reason. I was reading this book recently. It studied the most popular 200 TED Talks, which of course are the very, very popular live teaching talks that any pastor I imagine should be studying a lot because they're some of the most engaged live teaching experiences uh, in the world. And they're limited to 18 minutes. And so because that's such a short time, you have to be very poignant with your message. Otherwise, you know, you'll run out of time very quickly. Exactly. They studied the top 200 talks and the only commonality that they could find through all of them was that each of the presenters of these 200 talks were master storytellers. The primary form of communication in these TED Talks was story. So for instance, there's one uh, lady who's talking about domestic abuse and she's telling this vivid story of what it's like to be married to this man who continues to physically abuse her and neglect her and and how she wants to leave, but she's in love with him and, and kind of the tension within. And that is such a powerful way of demonstrating and sharing what she's trying to teach rather than just throwing up stats or throwing up, uh, you know, just words. When you combine it and put it into a story, that's the most powerful way of human communication. And so that's what we're all about at Pro Church Tools because storytelling can be applied to every way that we communicate in church, whether it's preaching or it's film or it's the worship music or it's social media, all of it. We think that the backbone should be storytelling. Absolutely. And that, that's really interesting bringing up, uh, up Ted because I know that part of their requirements is that the things that you're talking about um, have some sort of backup to it. It's not just an opinion place. It's a place where you're sharing work that you've done or research that you've done. So it's interesting that th- that they rank the best ones as the ones that can take what would be seen as potentially dry data or you know a big amorphous concept and bring it down and crystallize it in the form of a story. And I, I know recently Adam Savage, one of the hosts of, of the Mythbusters, just did a TED Talk. And he said when he went and you rehearse it for the the main guy that that does it. He said he, he gave his talk, he felt okay about it, 
And and the really the only main note was the guy said you got to have a story to start it and you got to have something to close it. And it was really interesting that that is there. You know, it doesn't matter how big of a celebrity you are. It doesn't matter you know what you've accomplished. They're looking for a very particular thing. The other interesting thing he shared is that sometimes the videos you see online are even edited down further to try to crystallize and truly get at the heart of what you're getting at. Uh, and so I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, you know kind of the dry data and combining it with stories. We like to use this axiom of three S's inside of uh, Pro Church Tools, uh, stories, stats, and steps. Those are kind of the three core traits of everything that we communicate, whether we're teaching a course on something or we're creating a, a narrative storytelling type video, stories, stats, and steps. And they're in that specific hierarchy because we think those are, are the most important. I mean, stories are great, but then you don't want them to just be based on opinion and, and myth. They also need to be tied to, you know, some truth. And so when you add st- statistics, that's a way to even further boost the uh, reliability and, you know, legibility of what you're saying, or legitimacy rather. And then when you can give steps, kind of those calls to action where people can take what they've learned and then put it into practice in their own life, that's where things become you know, that the, the tried of those three S's, they become super powerful when working together because it's one thing to hear something, but, you, you know, scripture talks about that. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. And so you need to give people those steps, those calls to action so that they can take what they've learned and go do something about it. That's great. But as I mentioned, I'm particularly excited to have you on the show because most of our guests so far have been pastors, uh, but it's my goal to branch out and bring in all kinds of, of guests. And, and so you're sort of a stepping stone uh, because you were at one time planning on being a youth pastor. I do know that from your story. Uh, and now you probably work with lots of pastors and work with even more people who work directly with pastors. And so my question is, what would you say are the one or two most important things pastors need to know about media or technology that would would be a huge help to their staff and volunteers? Well, that's a great question, Dan. The first thing I would say is that you don't need to know anything about the technical side of things. Your media and tech volunteers, they don't expect you to know how to set white balance on a camera. They don't expect you to know how to properly compose an image inside of Photoshop and understanding the rule of thirds and complicated things like that. The thing that they're most scared of is that you're going to be the type of leader that comes to them and has something in mind that is totally, totally counter the way communication is done right now. Mm. But because you're the leader and you're in charge, you're going to force them to do something that they are so against. So if someone comes to you uh, who's working under you on the media tech communications team and they say, yeah, uh, we're putting together a graphic like this. And then, and then you kind of come back with like specifics pertaining to how the graphic looks or how the graphic you know, is composed, how the video is composed, how the video looks, anything like that. That's probably not the best way to use your time. The best way that you and your media team can collaborate together is, I'll go back to storytelling, based around storytelling. You can ask yourself, why are we doing this project? What is the goal of accomplishing it? Because you can have a very strong vision for the project that maybe your media team and volunteers don't. So they're like, man, how can we make this video look super cool and, and make <laughs> it look the most beautiful, the best aesthetics possible? And you can be like, okay, but the reason why behind this is that we're trying to share the story of hope at Easter through a specific testimony. Mm. And, you can, and, and so if you kind of have that big picture, understanding the reason why, that will be very helpful because then it'll allow your media team to, to work on the specifics and making it the best piece of art it can be. And that way you guys are both covering different roles 
and they're complementary roles rather than you trying to be like, oh, well, you should change that color from green to red because, you know, we want it to be red. <laughs> right. And then your media team's like, no, that would be the ugliest red ever. Why do you hate us so much? <laughs> so I would say focus on those complementary roles. You focus on the why and they'll focus on the what. Hmm. Now, if there's a maybe if there's a smaller, medium-sized church out there and they're basically starting at zero, they've got no logo, maybe they have social media accounts, but they're inactive or sporadically active. They don't use video. They don't have any software tools, don't record sermons for podcasts, anything, but maybe they receive or can budget about $1,000 to invest in tech or media or communication. Where might you recommend they start? In this case, do they have a logo? They do not. Let's say no. Okay. That's probably a pretty extreme case, but... If you don't have a logo, I would definitely get a quality logo. Even if you have a logo, but it's one of like those church logos, you know who you are, church, where you're like, oh my gosh, this is all papyrus and just ugliness <laughs> from 1995. Yeah. Like we need, we need to be better than that. We need to uh, move forward. You can get a well, a really nicely designed logo for less than $500. Um, we use 99designs.com for our logo. And uh, there's a lot of controversy. Well, there's some controversy sure. uh, amongst designers with using a site like that. But to me, it's a lot like the Uber and the taxi industry. You know, like sometimes services come around and they're disruptive. And, you know, you got to adapt or die in this in this capitalistic marketplace that we live in. Um, with that being said, we use 99 designs for our logo and, you know, it only cost us about three, four, 500 bucks and, and we got a great logo and, and I'm a designer myself and I was just like, you know what, I'm not going to be able to design a logo I'm happy with. So what's great about something like 99 designs is that you get submissions from tons of different designers. And so we got like 200 submissions about all of them, but five were crap. And then we <laughs> found five that we liked. And then we kind of decided amongst ourselves, which one we like best. And so get a logo, get a modern logo. Okay. If you have more than any of these five elements, you do not have a modern logo. If there's a dove or a cross or fire or a steeple or, okay, help me out with the fifth one, Dan. What else could be crazy in that logo? Uh, a globe, maybe. There. If any of those, if you have two or more of those, you do not have a modern logo. One <laughs> is fine. Like, you know, one is fine. But if you're combining dove with fire, globe with steeple, I mean, you know, those, that's just bad. Stay yeah. away from that. It, now, so, you will get a little bit of pushback from our audience because uh, I, I'm a United Methodist pastor and a good number of our listeners are United Methodists and our denominational logo is a cross and flame. However, to be fair, uh, it does very much look like the 1970s. So I'm, I'm sort of with you on that one. But there, there will be some Methodists out there that are uh, maybe hitting a 15 second skip uh, forward just to make sure we're, we're, <laughs> we're off to a different topic. That's okay. We'll, we'll catch you on the next question, Methodist. Respect. So, <laughs> I have found it tough because I've done some designing of church logos. It is really, really hard to incorporate a cross in a way that does not come across cheesy. And that's yeah. hard for me as both an ordained elder in a mainline denomination and a design person to say. Like It, it tears me in two, but it is really hard to do it in a way that comes across, uh, you know, in the aesthetic of, as you said, the sort of the modern day. And I mean, logos should always be understated, you know? Like if you look at, if, if, if Nike tried to take everything, and, and using Nike is such a cliche example, but if, if Nike tried to take everything that they do and put it into a logo and they use the church design, they'd be like, all right, let's take a sneaker and we'll take a <laughs> basketball and we'll take, you know, what's cool nowadays, okay? Like we'll take like, you know, uh, a flat top haircut and we'll kind of combine them all into like a really cool logo. Well, yeah, that might be like what, that's a very explicit, overstated 
maybe representation of what Nike does and kind of the culture that, you know, that they work within and, and basketball culture and hip hop culture. But, you know, it, it doesn't really work as a logo. And all they've done is kind of create a check mark. Well, what does that check mark, the swoosh, have anything to do with what Nike does? I don't know, but it's become synonymous with them either way. Look at Apple. Apple, it's a, with a bite out of it. What does that have to do with MacBooks and iPhones and iPad Pros and, you know, the car that they're going to develop and all? Right. <laughs> well, nothing, right. but it represents that. And so you don't need to have a really overstated logo. And mm-hmm. um, that's, that's not necessary. But I'll go beyond the logo with this question because I don't want to just say that you need a logo. Like, like it, that feels like kind of just like something you really should have as a church for everything. But the great thing about a lot of digital media is that it's not expensive. So, for instance... Social media is 100% free, and it's one of the best ways to, to, to be the church online, on social media, meaning Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Those are the big five in 2016, and the best way that you can be a pastor online is through social media, and you know what's going to cost you? No money. It is going to cost your time, which I would admittedly say is a more valuable resource, but if you're low on money as a church, which many of us are, you can go to social media with your new logo and then be a pastor and be the church online for no money. And that cannot be overstated enough. Yeah, absolutely. It, it sort of tracks a little bit. I was speaking with someone in my denomination who's a little bit higher up the chain, someone who is at the level that talks about where pastors uh, go and get assigned in our denomination. We get sent places rather than just applying for whatever jobs that we want. And she talked about how sometimes church members will say, well, we, you know, this last pastor wasn't such a good preacher. We'd like a better preacher. And she's like, I understand that. But also through the Internet, you can listen to anyone that you want. You know, you if if all that you want is a great preacher, you can listen to the greatest preachers in the world for free at home. And so almost in a way, as counterintuitive as this sounds, I think what you're talking about is investing less time in the the event that happens one day a week and more time in making the kinds of authentic connections that actually inspire discipleship because if all we're looking for is good sermons all you got to do is go to the christianity podcast list but you can find amazing sermons if that's all that you want but if you want to make the kinds of connections that actually change people's lives we have the tools at our fingertip is that sort of a a good uh, condensing of what you were talking about? Dan, I could not agree with that more because it's also setting up our pastors to fail. Like you pastor listening, you, this is this, again, this is going to be controversial mean, but I have to say it. You cannot compete with the likes of, you know, Grishel and Stanley and Furtick and Driscoll or Bell, whoever you like and whatever, um, you know, denomination or, or style that you like. It's not fair for me as a person in your church to open up my podcast app and listen to the world's best communicators within the church. And then you go up on Sunday and then, and then you try to kind of do what they're doing. That's not fair. And that's not your role as a pastor. You can do what they can't do. And that's, you can be my pastor and you can disciple me. Exactly. If you're, if you're just trying to emulate what they're doing, one, that's not really your job, at least in my mind. And two, you're not going to be able to reach up to their standards and their competency. It's just, it's just not possible. As you look at the emerging trends and tools and specific networks and services uh, that are wrapped up in social media and the digital world, what is an emerging technology or maybe even an emerging trend in the world of social media that you think churches should absolutely pay more attention to as we move through this year and into next year? Well, I've, I've been saying that 2016 is the year of Snapchat going mainstream. And 
it's not just like an inappropriate app for teenagers anymore. Um, there's an amazing feature, kind of the core feature of Snapchat called Snapchat Story. And and basically the best description that I've heard for it is it's essentially like a one-day look into the life of documentary. Mm. So think of documentary filmmaking. Stories, what happens is you post them and after 24 hours they expire. And so it's kind of like this one-day documentary look-in of what's happening. So obviously I use my platform to teach churches, you know, the skills – of storytelling and digital media and communication. So yesterday, uh, what I did on my Snapchat story was I kind of shot a behind the scenes. So I said, hey, this is the lighting setup that we're using. This is the camera and lens combo we're using. Uh, we've set up our, our scrims and our flags, which are just fancy video terms in this specific way. And then I, I did a little check-in with Dan, the actual guy we interviewed. And I said, Dan, just thank you so much for being honest and raw. I know it wasn't always easy in that interview, but this story is going to affect so many lives in a way that no other story could, you know, your story is unique. And, and I share that with, with our Snapchat audience and that's going to expire in 24 hours. And, you know, hundreds of people are going to view it. That's just the way that we're communicating nowadays. The, the, the shift in social media is, is the shift is from one to many to one to one. So basically Facebook and Twitter were one to many broadcasts. So I have 10,000 followers on social. I'm going to share this update. 10,000 people are going to see it. And, and what we're moving towards is kind of back to this more intimate style of communication. And so the reason I'd recommend getting on Snapchat is because I think it's going to be very big. It already is huge. And it's going to hone your storytelling skills. If nothing else, you're going to become a better storyteller by using something like Snapchat. And when you talked about emerging trends, it might be kind of scary for me to be, for me to say to you, pastor, get on a new social platform. What I can guarantee you shouldn't be scary is to hone your skills of storytelling, become a better storyteller because that is not an emerging trend. It is the trend. It is the form of communication that you should know better than any other. And you, what you can do is you can combine a tool like Snapchat and storytelling and you can work on a new thing while also working on a timeless thing at the same time. That's so true. And Snapchat is the perfect platform because it is disposable. You don't have to worry about someone scrolling back to like your third Facebook post. You can you can experiment. You can try things, see what works, see what doesn't. Even though podcasts live on, I kind of feel that way with podcasts. You know, always tweaking things, always trying new things. Well, we like to wrap up our interviews with a set of questions that we ask for all guests. And again, they're tweaked slightly for you as you're not a, a full-time minister in the traditional sense. Uh, but the first one is, uh, can you talk to us or tell us about one of the more difficult projects that you've had to work on, uh, either to prepare or execute, or, and or uh, a favorite experience that you've had? Yeah, that's great. We're, we're working on a new website, a new platform right now. And we're, we're working, partnering with, a, with an agency in Charleston, South Carolina. And it's been one of my favorite and most trying experiences so far because I'm handing over the reins of our brand and our website our digital platform to other people. And so they'll send something back and I'll be like, ah, well, how about this? And then they'll send it back and again, I'm like, closer, how about this? And we'll kind of repeat that over and over again. And I, I, it's one of my favorite experiences because it's going to raise the level of what we're doing online to a level that I couldn't do myself. Mm. But it's incredibly difficult because I am very, very particular and, and specific because I'm not just you know, someone who needs a website, but I've been building a platform online and designing everything for multiple years. And so handing over those reins to take it to the next level, I know it's the right thing to do, but it has been difficult so far. I understand that one. Uh, who have been some of your most impactful preachers or communicators, filmmakers in your life and, and why? 
Well, let's go. Uh, let's let's go down the controversial train just a little bit more. Um, two of the two of the people that have impacted me most when it comes to communication and storytelling are the two Mars Hill dudes, um, Driscoll and and Rob Bell. Uh, you can take whatever you want from you know their theology or personal life, but those two have have been the most powerful and impactful communicators. Driscoll more when I was in 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 high school and college, his ability to to take complex biblical topics and explain them in a detailed, specific way was something I'd never heard before. And this is something I really like to see in church, which is not just like, you know, you need to love each other more, but taking that truth and explaining it in a detailed way. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then Rob Bell on the entire other side of the spectrum, storytelling from the extreme sense where, you know, he's taking something that is totally worldly and then he's showing the metaphor for God and how everything is spiritual and how they're all intertwined. And in, you know, my early twenties and, and college years, that was really helpful in understanding art and storytelling and, and how it combines with scripture and the Bible. So what books or media have been influential to your approach or style? I've been reading a bunch of storytelling books, again, trying to improve that this year that have been incredibly helpful. Uh, one of those was A Million Miles in a Thousand Years by Donald Miller, mm-hmm. who's an amazing storyteller. Uh, there was a book on screenwriting that I love. It's called Story by Robert McKee. It's a very bulky book on screenwriting and, and writing for film. The book that I mentioned earlier about the TED Talks or the, the, the stat, that was from a book that was studying the best storytelling techniques in TED Talks. It's called TED Talk Storytelling. I think it's an Amazon book only. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was incredibly helpful. Uh, and then the other book that I loved about storytelling so far this year is called The Storytelling Animal by Jonathan Gottschall. And that's more about wh- how stories make us human and, and why we react to stories so well. So the other ones are about film, living a better story, preaching a better story. This one's about why we love story and how they're kind of intertwined and is- in, uh, inseparable from the human condition. That's great. Are there any preachers, uh, churches, companies, or even specific projects that you would recommend our listeners check out today if they want to see a church or, or a company like yours uh, that is using social media well or, or handling storytelling really well? Well, I love podcasts. I have my own podcast. We are discussing on a podcast right now. <laughs> right. And some of the, uh, one of the best companies in the world in podcasts is a company called Gimlet Media. Yeah. And they do the startup podcast, mystery show, reply all, surprisingly awesome. Uh, those are they have about, I think five different shows currently, and they are master storytellers in the narrative audio format. And I think one of the easiest ways to get into media, to go back to one of the earlier questions, is to audio record your messages. And it's it's not I wouldn't say it's the best way, but it's one of the most inexpensive and easy ways to do it. And and if you can listen to podcasts that are produced by Gimlet Media, what you can do is you can kind of take your message, you can post let's say twenty minutes of it, add a little bit before, add a little bit after, and you can make an amazing audio podcast for your church that isn't just rebroadcasting what you're doing, but you can actually include something specific for your podcast listeners. Uh, that would be and, and get that inspiration from Gimlet Media from their podcasts, some of the best people that are doing it. Yeah, those are basically all the people that learned on This American Life and then broke out and have taken the the principles behind This American Life and just basically creatively exploded all over the place. They have, I, I, Mystery Show's my favorite. I love that. I miss it. I wish it would come back. Maybe by the summer, maybe the t- by the time this, this airs, Mystery Show is back, so... Lastly, if there's any folks that want to get in touch and say hi or follow the work that you're doing, how is the best way for them to follow you? 
Yeah, I'm at Brady Shearer on all social media. Shearer, it is a word in the Bible, like to she- one who shears sheep, <laughs> Shearer, S-H-E-A-R-E-R, Brady like the bunch, at Brady Shearer on social media. If you want to follow me on Snapchat, I'm regrettably at Brady Shearer one oh, because no. some punk young kid stole my username mm. or I or I stole it and I can't remember the email address. That seems <laughs> unlikely, but people keep suggesting that might have happened. So I want to be open to that. Again, it seems unlikely, but it is possible. So the best places on social, I'll respond. I respond to everyone. So, you know, Twitter, Snap, uh, Instagram, all great. That's great. You also have a uh, project this year that you started doing a daily vlog. Yes. My wife and I, um, we have, we had our first child. Um, she's just turning a year, uh, turned a year in March. And so we kind of been vlogging, which is like a daily video, uh, hosted on YouTube, documenting our first year as parents and, and how we're surviving if surviving it at all. So that's, <laughs> that's been fun too. My wife is the one, the creative genius behind that. And, uh, yeah, that's been a blast. Having those memories from our first year as a family is going to be very, very amazing. That's so cool. Well, Brady, thank you so much for your time today, all your input. And, and folks, we kept talking about how controversial he is. I know that our audience, a lot of the things that we've said today are not controversial. Uh, Brady is a great guy. Follow what he's doing. He can teach you so many things. Brady, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Dan. And if anyone wants to yell at me on social, I am all ears to hearing it. <laughs> uh, and I'd love to talk about anything Uh, you know, we can take the conversation one step further. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 17 of Art of the Sermon. You can find show notes, including links to some of the things that we talked about at artofthesermon.com. As always, I would love to hear what you think about the show, and I want your input to be a part of the conversation. So you can connect with me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username Art of the Sermon. If you'd like to support the show, I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app so that new episodes are downloaded as soon as they're live. And of course, in addition to sharing the show with your friends, the best way to help us out is to leave a review in the iTunes store. This lets iTunes know that you care about the show and want other people to find it. Our next episode is scheduled to go live on June 16th, and so in just two weeks, you'll get to hear more from my conversation with Brady Shear. Thank you again so much for joining me, and I'll catch you next time on Art of the Sermon.